This is Chelsea. And this is Andrew. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, the podcast where we look back at very special episodes from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and onward uh, to see if they still have anything to teach us today. Today we are going to watch the show ER. We're going to talk about ER, season nine, episode one. The episode is called Chaos Theory. You can watch it on Hulu. The writers are Jack Orman and R. Scott Jimmel, and it originally aired on September 26th. 2002. And we have a guest. Where? Right here. Right here next to you. If I turn my head slightly to the left. (laughs) Can I talk yet? Yes. As soon as we introduce you. So please sit quietly until that happens. Our friend Mary Hollison Bowden is here to chat with us about this episode of ER. Mary Hollis has been our friend for like a decade. Hi. A long time. God. Since Chicago. We all lived in Chicago. And now she's Hollywood's Mary Hollis. <laughs> um, I think I, I do prefer America's Sweetheart. America's oh. Sweetheart. Yeah. You might recognize her dulcet tones from The Real O'Neill. She played Aunt Jody, mm-hmm. And then upcoming, the new Jinji Cohen show, American Princess, which is going to be on Lifetime. Who do you, who, what's your character on that? I play Delilah on American Delilah. Princess. And it'll be out June 2nd. Yeah. Mm. So we're... We're very excited to have Mary Hollis here Absolutely. to talk about ER with us uh, for a number of reasons. Yeah. Number one being that we just really both enjoy spending time with her. For sure. I love you guys so much. Can you tell me, uh, Mary Hollis, is Delilah here today? Can we talk to her? <laughs> don't fucking, don't, 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 Stop. don't. I made myself so sick. I refuse. Yeah, that's Cut the worst. That. Okay. <laughs> Anybody who ever does that to any actor should die. You sounded like a psychiatrist. Oh. The, the headphones are new for the yes. podcast. Yeah. I yeah. think that Andy in headphones is now fully Fraser Crane. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Adele in my okay. head, so I can't remember anything about chaos theory. And mm-hmm. I've, I know that show backwards and forwards, but All right, we're now I'm just ready it. to record my studio album. Sure. <laughs> Before we record studio albums, if that's what we're doing today, let's get into our snack. Yeah, for real. I have um, a weird snack that I found in Little Tokyo. I'm just going to let you talk about it. I think that's mostly oh, what you Miles need to say about it is I, just, I found it in Little Tokyo. Yeah. I One of my favorite things in the world is going into supermarkets where I can't really read the signage mm-hmm. and just finding snacks. Yep. And I found this. Why don't you? Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Check that out. It's jubes. Thank you. <laughs> Coconut gel is a fibrous, cholesterol-free, and delicious dessert. Dessert and desert always confuse me. Do they? This I don't know if it's a dessert. It's just like little gelatinous cubes in a pouch. It feels like something that you'd have like in a first aid kit to put on. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Oh, well, very case. ER. It's, true. it's very ER. Oh. oh, it does look like a saline pouch. That's right. Yes. Okay. I need so ten cc's this... of jubes. Stat. <laughs> Stars 
What what was your review? What would you say it tasted like? It, it did taste like a strawberry wound. Yeah. <laughs> I got some skin, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like some skin toughness. Some toughness, mm-hmm. yeah. And it, it does not stick to your teeth. Mm-mm. I expected it to be like boba, I think. Like uh, boba balls, you know? Yeah. But it's not like that. It's like, it's almost the same um, texture as like eating a lychee fruit. Yes. Or but it tastes like strawberry. Right. I don't know why you would eat them. Though. I think it's the perfect snack for today. I did. Mm-hmm. I did hear a story about Matt Damon when he was finishing. All right, well, maybe it's going somewhere. Jubes. Okay. So Matt Damon uh, did a movie called The Informant. Sure. Where he had to put on a bunch of weight, okay. and then at the end of that, he's doing press, and they keep bringing him little bowls of gelatinous cubes in this sort of bluish liquid, and he's eating them, and like nobody knows what's going on. Like everybody's like too Mm. polite to ask him and apparently this sort of thing these cubes are something you can use in a cleanse oh they do it does say that they're fibrous so i bet they like fill you up if you eat i'm feeling that right now all of them yeah (laughs) we might need another break (laughs) (laughs) it also says you can put them in cocktails on the thing which seems to defeat would defeat the cleansing purpose but Anyway, if you're looking for something vaguely chewy that won't stick to your teeth and tastes kind of like the ghost of a strawberry, then yes, tubes. Yeah. If you want to taste a strawberry wound but also feel the misery of it all, (laughs) tubes. Tubes available in Little Tokyo. (laughs) Tubes. But the more I was holding onto the pouch before you opened it, it really is like a saline drip, Mm -hmm. like a like an IV, and I can't think of anything more perfect. Very. Yeah. Then to go over (laughs) chaos theory Mm -hmm. for sure. So all right, ER. This is the first episode of ER that we've done on this podcast i can't believe it incredibly successful show ran for 331 episodes 15 seasons 1994 to 2009 of course mental floss did an article about it mental floss my favorite website (laughs) 15 critical facts about er yes did er sit on his testicles one time (laughs) let's get into those critical Um, facts here are just a couple to give us some context began as a michael Crichton movie script steven spielberg was going to direct about 180 pages long featured more than 100 characters Michael Crichton had been a medical student at Harvard Medical School in the 60s, and Steven Spielberg was attached to executive produce, and then they successfully negotiated a series with NBC instead of a movie. The network had agreed to a two-hour TV movie, and then they negotiated them. After the success of Jurassic Park, they negotiated a series. Mm. So the show feels like an action movie. You know, like it's... It's, this is happening. It cut, the camera cuts over here. No, this is happening. There's a guy on a gurney yeah, pumping fucking... someone's stomach, like on top of them, yeah. you know? Yes. Um, so it's it's shot like an action movie because it was an action movie. Mm-hmm. This was famously filmed on a soundstage in LA, but the cast took four trips a year to Chicago and shot all the exteriors for yes. every yeah. episode. Sure. There's an exterior in this episode that we're going to talk about. And as I was watching it, I was just imagining like they shot this one scene completely out of context on yep. the same day that they shot seven other scenes from seven other episodes yeah yeah so it's it's kind of fun because it's about is you know it's a chicago county hospital it's set in chicago <laughs> talk about chicago all the time and they went to chicago four times a year and did all the outside scenes. and do y'all remember living in chicago and everybody owning that as if it was yeah 
full time yes. shot in Chicago. Hey, yes. the Library Brown Line stop. I've been past that one, but never gotten off on it. Uh, yeah, for real. No, I so, felt like such a, weird... a Chicago thing to do. To, it is to like own every bit of ER yeah. with, with with such great pride, yeah. and that's no, what we I, love yes. about it. I own Dark Knight because that was shot in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. I owned that because they there was an exterior like big exterior shot of like the river and that vets hate dogs park that we used to eat yeah. lunch in when we both worked downtown we used to go to this park uh, right on the river across from the marina towers i mm-hmm. think uh it was the the vietnam veterans park yeah but like there are huge signs in there that says no no dogs, dogs no dogs no dogs and we were like vets hate vets dogs hate dogs <laughs> Um, so we call it Vets Hate Dogs Park. And you can see it from, I think, from like Harvey Dent's office. They do like a, this is his view. And yeah. you can look down right on that park. Yeah, Vets Hate Dogs Park. Can I can I do the, the very vague research that I did on this show? Oh, please. It's not about this show. It's about E slash R, the oh, sitcom. Right. It's a very short-lived sitcom that I watch. Are you aware of this? No. Yes. It's not I'm right. only it aware of it It sounds blasphemous because I'm such an ER fan. But it predated. First, so yeah. who's blasphemous now? Me, I guess. Yeah, well, we knew. <laughs> uh, it was a short-lived sitcom starring Elliot Gould, I believe. There's nothing much to say about it. I used it to watch it. It was also set in Chicago. Ever, it was developed by Norman Lear Based on a play produced by the Organic Theater in Chicago. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Goodbye. Okay. That's my time. Can I take That's some of them gelatinous? Can I take them gelatinous cubes to go? Uh, so, of course, because this episode's called Chaos Theory, I also did some research on Chaos Theory, yeah. which actually ended up informing a lot of how I watched this episode. Oh, take us there. So, this is all from <laughs> fractalfoundation.org. Chaos is the science of surprises, the nonlinear and the unpredictable. It teaches us to expect the unexpected. While most traditional science deals with supposedly predictable phenomena, Chaos theory deals with nonlinear things that are effectively impossible to predict or control. Chaos is not simply disorder. Chaos explores the transition between order and disorder, which often occurs in surprising ways. And so there are a lot of other things. They talk about the butterfly effect. That's part of chaos theory. But I thought this idea about the transition from order to disorder and vice versa was really interesting in, in the way that this episode unfurls. For sure. Yes. And as someone who owns cats... That happens to me all the time. <laughs> Everything goes from order to disorder. I actually, uh, it went from order to disorder recently when I was like, I bet my cat and I are close enough that I can hug my cat now and they won't freak out. Yeah. And that's why I have this little bit of wow. disorder. Oh my <laughs> scratch on your face. Like a scratch on my face. Scratch on your face. Yeah. So Mary Hollis, why don't you tell us, you were the one who wanted to do this episode. So why don't yes. you tell us about watching ER and what the world of ER set us up. What's the ordinary world of ER? We're in season nine now. So I mean, it's been season going on. Nine, yeah, we're like in, we're already in that like fast paced, what's going to happen now you know, you're familiar with the cop shows and the hospital shows, but we're deep into like our world mm-hmm. there in Chicago. We've got personal relationships. Everybody at this point has had sex with everybody else in the hospital. Mm-hmm. We're constant. I mean, we've we've cured a couple of incurable diseases. Right. And here at the very beginning of season nine, mm-hmm. there is a disease that comes in that they first believe is smallpox. Right. Yeah, so this is a cliffhanger. The last episode of season eight was yes. the first part of a two-part. This yes. is the second part of a two-part. So we come into a situation in progress. Yes. Sure. Um, let me pretty... read you the description of what happened last episode of right. ER. Right. So just when the ER is understaffed 
and swamped. Two children who were brought in turn out to have full-blown smallpox. They think it's not smallpox. The entire ER must be locked down. The staff needs to improvise while they battle not only the disease, but also frayed tempers. So that's what happened last time. So now this is where we are, which the, is important in terms of the hero's journey, because the call to adventure happened in the last episode. Yeah. These that's kids right. come in, they've got this disease, we think it's smallpox, but we're not quite sure. What do we do? So that was the call to adventure happened. We come into this fully in the special world. That's that, right. That little girl one of the, the one of the kids had died and then another little kid is like am i next mm-hmm. it's like a yes. race to save beautiful white breath. children oh <laughs> my god I, when you asked me to come on i was like i i always draw a blank when i am trying to think of like things from childhood like you know i was at trivia the other day and i got uh, messed up on a question about um some like powerful bears from the 80s and mm-hmm. i was like I don't know who that is. Care or Berenstein? There were only two, (laughs) only two options. Berenstein bears. Oh no! Wait, wait, gummy. It was care bears. It was the care bears. Mm -hmm. And I powerful bears. Yeah, they're they're very powerful. They 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 do the care bear stance. Yeah, Yeah. I am as knowledgeable of the care bears as I am unknowledgeable about ER. (laughs) But now that you've said Berenstein bears, see these things just got like they got like buried. Uh, in my memory mm-hmm. of my youth. But I have to just go ahead and get this out there. This is a fact that you guys know about me. I am a shooting survivor. And so so I'm eight years old when the show premieres. So it was already like Thursday night programming. My mom, who is a big television fan and watched everything when I was growing up, she would let me stay up late, I remember, and watch ER with her. So we watched a couple of different shows. It was so exciting to get to do that. And then the shooting happened when I was 12 at my middle school. And the shooting happened on a Tuesday. And ER is right there for you mm-hmm. on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, when you were asking me about like coming on and talking, I want to be able to like pull up things from my childhood that are like the Care Bear Stare. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, I can remember the theme song from Kids Incorporated, but I can't remember what Kids Incorporated are about. And I think that that's because when a traumatic event happens, you only have the, you can only really have the memory for the traumatic event. Yeah. And and therefore, like, ER is just something that I can remember because not only was it on for, like, 15 years, it was on for some of the most important years mm-hmm. of my life. It was also such an escape because at 12, when the shooting happens, I know uh, the difference between, like, you know, mortality. fiction and nonfiction yeah. and mortality and life. Mm-hmm. But it was such uh, it was such an escape for me. And so a lot of those episodes just, like, sunk in. I remember... I was like pretty fascinated with death. That's where my curiosity with death started. And why wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. But um, my mom would like put me to bed at night and <laughs> I would um, just die as I was going to sleep. I still enjoy being tucked in and anybody who does, I'm 33 and anybody yeah. who doesn't when they're home visiting their mom, I don't understand you. We have a whole thing about that and bubble baths. Like there's only like eight. I love there's like exactly. eight years in your life where you, you're like, that's stupid. And then you're like, no, I was a fool. I, no. Like naps, naps, bubble baths, uh, being tucked in. I mean, yep. being tucked in. But here, here, my poor mother, who's probably around like my age now, is having mm. to tuck me in after, you know, Thursday night episode of ER. I think it was like in the 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. slot. Sure. And, you know, inevitably we've saved some lives, but somebody's died. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was always the one who would die instead of fall to sleep and my poor mother has to just like turn out the light and mm. leave without me <laughs> without me ever coming to yeah. and she's still got like uh 
you know, and, and, and I would like coach her the next day and be like, mom, could you please say like, you know, rest in peace. Oh no. <laughs> Instead of like continue to walk out with your back to the, the door, like right. shuffle out, like, <laughs> okay, honey, I'll see you in the morning, you know, wink, wink. And right. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not what we're doing. No, Mm-mm. that's not what we're doing. It's all very serious. I'm going to need a wreath, mom. <laughs> Can you hook me up with a wreath? <laughs> Mom, I've got you the big chill to watch. I'm going to need you to take notes from this. Thank you. Can you imagine? But I just always think about my mom in that moment. My my sweet and gorgeous and wonderful mother who was so amazing has been, you know, my whole life, but especially after that event as an adult, I think, you know, and then still watching ER and me like soul searching through ER silently because I only can like verbalize this now. And so when Chelsea asked me to come on and share my episode, it's like, well, it's any it's any number of ER episodes. Sure. Uh, so you're not the only one that this show helped out in the real world. Apparently, a 28 year old woman in Texas discovered she had a brain tumor because her tongue went out to the side like Dr. Green's tongue did when his brain tumor returned. Listen to that. The woman's tumor was caught early and she survived because she recognized that as a symptom because of ER. There was a 2002 study by the Kaiser Family Foundation which discovered that viewers increased their knowledge of things like HPV and contraception after viewing episodes of ER. And then good old Noah Wiley was on location in Africa years after the show ended and the onset medic passed out from heat Wiley took a functioning IV stuck the needle in him and revived the medic with a bag of saline Dr. Carter and he credited <laughs> knowing how to do that because he played a doc he did it, he faked it at 254 episodes yeah and so he was like well you know then when the time came I just knew through osmosis how to actually do it so it helped everybody yeah the show <laughs> is just did. out there doing the Lord's work <laughs> Unlike the original ER, which didn't help nobody with nothing. Nope. I really, I mean, I do just believe in the power of television. I think that television at its like baser level is just supposed to be entertaining. And ER certainly was for 15 years. Mm-hmm. I think that also you never know what's going to impact an individual. And I think that television at its, you know, at its biggest can be social work. And so for me, this little girl who was a bit dramatic... I got to explore trauma. I got to mm. see people being saved and mm-hmm, revived. Mm-hmm. I was a little less scared of being kind of like left out to die, knowing mm-hmm. that there's somebody there who's going to like, yeah, you know, yeah. pick me up and, and, and revive me and, and, and know exactly, you know, uh, to do the paddles or whatever. Yeah. I mean, there, there were just, it, it's a darker way. I understand to feel yeah, but it's like there are people comfort. trained to help you. Yeah. You can trust them. Yes. For sure. Yes. And I think whole... it, it, it did alleviate some anxiety early mm-hmm. on. Yeah. That's great. Knowing that. Okay. So let's, this is a very meaty episode and it starts off in the African Congo. <laughs> we're in okay. the Congo. <laughs> the thing is, it's called the chaos theory, but I have, uh, it, it's also got an, an also known as unknown origin. Um, I like to call it the international episode Uh huh. Uh-huh. because we Boy, travel. Do we where do ever. we start, Chelsea? We start in the Congo Republic, Central Africa, where a man shoots a monkey with a tranquilizer dart. And already you're like, I've watched eight seasons of a show set in an ER in Chicago. The doctors barely see the light of day. So different. And suddenly we're starting off in the Congo. Okay. It's adventure. This, this <laughs> does have a, a very strong pro-monkey vaccine message, so if you're triggered by such things. And, and at some point I'll come back in and we'll, we will discuss Outbreak, that movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. So the yeah. man tranquilizes this monkey and he puts, and then he drives, he's got a van full of monkeys, he drives back to a medical clinic 
missionary medical clinic. They're all speaking French. The clinic is full of children and women with these smallpox looking, not lesions, but like scabs. And there's a doctor there who takes a little sample of blood from under one of the scabs on one of the kids, puts it into a metal briefcase, gives it back to the man who came in with the van. Let's talk about this transportation, because this entire scene is, uh, is about getting a sample from the Congo to the CDC in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand the transport metho- methodology. So we have a French doctor who takes this swab from the clinic Mm-hmm. And then we're going to take this journey from this clinic in the Congo to the CDC in Atlanta. Step one, give it to a, a, a small boy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then the small boy is going to give it to an old man on a boat. The boat is coming by and doesn't even slow down. Not at all. And he just throws it at the boat and the guy catches it. And now the next thing we know, we're in, in Hamburg, Germany. The helicopter has somehow been introduced into this. Yep. Yes, but just imagine me. as a I'm a 16-year-old at this point. I want to save the world. I want everybody to be okay. This kid knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Are you sure, yes. though? Yes. You He's can trust the guy this child. who always throws the briefcase to the guy <laughs> who is saving the day. <laughs> to the old there, man Somebody in the is going to save your life, yeah. and this kid is an integral part of He's it. Part We're of working it. together with the to two least reliable age groups in the world <laughs> to get this to Hamburg. Eat row story. <laughs> <laughs> so then a helicopter lands on a helipad in Hamburg. The German scientists are all wearing hazmat suits. They're punching numbers into computers, and the numbers end up coming up on a computer in the lab of infectious disease control, Atlanta, Georgia. And this woman, she grabs this printout and she runs. She runs to some other guys who are looking at more computers in a different room. And she shows them this printout and she says, look at this. No, stop what you're doing and look at this. And they compare what she's got to what they have pulled up, which is what the the exact same sort of dissection, the analysis yeah. of the disease in the Chicago ER that's the got everybody. The worst imaginable thing. And then they put them on top of each other, and it's a perfect match. (gasps) And so they're like, okay, and that's our big, long, cold open. So the hospital, people who have been uh, exposed to this disease have been put in various quarantines. And Dr. Lockhart and Dr. Carter, yeah, I'm killing it, are in what I like to call sexy quarantine. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Because they're immediately put into quarantine. We see on this this on the previously on, they go into quarantine and then immediately start making out, which I don't feel is in the spirit of the quarantine, (laughs) but it's fun. You have to. You have to have that kind of romance, that kind of steam. I mean, they're under dire straits here. It's life or death. It's It's life or death. death. Now as an adult woman, I'm like, oh yeah, I got to... You gotta, you gotta do that before you die. Yeah, carpe yeah. diem. <laughs> if you're in quarantine, you might not have that much time. So, yep. bone like up. Make every minute count. Get on it. Bone up. Bone up. So they're in this quarantine. They're in sexy quarantine. They're watching doctors do the worst job of like we've got horrible news, but right. we, we got to tell those guys. A yes. call comes into the bullpen. Mm. The, all, all these doctors are just shaking their heads at each mm. other. Oh, this doesn't look good. This doesn't <laughs> yeah, look really good. Bad. Dr. Lewis comes over and there's like a phone. She can call in to where they're quarantined and they can hear her without opening the door. And she says, we have to evacuate. And Dr. Noah Wiley says, the ER? She says, no, the whole Whole entire hospital, hospital. everyone but you. Except you. (gasps) Which means that they're going to have to be in quarantine for... 
two weeks. Two weeks. They don't. They yep. don't know the amount of time just yet. But okay. yeah, everybody's But they're going to be alone in this hospital. That's the thing. Is like there. We'll see later. There are three other people quarantined somewhere else. But those five people are going to be the only people in yep. this hospital. Yes, and they have. Um, Dr. Carter and Dr. Lockhart have already established like a pretty intense relationship. Okay. She's left Dr. Gorvach for mm-hmm. Dr. Carter. They've both been through rehab. Now Abby has recently slipped. They've got some things to talk about and discuss. Yes, okay. And we skim the surface in this episode, but they have been each other's for a while. So, gotcha. but but they ha- can't have had sex yet because he hasn't seen her tattoo. No, they've just been best friends, very very closely uh-huh. best friends. But this is like the consummation episode. Then. Yes, this is a thing that completely out of context coming into this episode. This next part, I think you and I had the same experience. Yeah. Meanwhile, we cut to Dr. Elizabeth Corday riding the subway, and she comes up topside, but she's not in Chicago. But she's boy, in London. Wasn't I making a bunch of guesses about which L stop this Me was? Me too. I was like, that doesn't look like, like any L stop. Definitely weird. downtown. And Guys. then I saw Big Ben, and I was like, oh, or maybe it's the Houses of Parliament. You see some British landmark, and I was like, oh, she's in London. You guys, Dr. Green. Her ex-husband has died the previous season. Everybody mm. knows this. Well. <laughs> Dr. Green has died, and she's trying to find a start of a new life with her daughter. Mm-hmm. She goes back to her home country mm-hmm. of England to start a new life. Now, she's a doctor. She gets a job at a hospital. Is her father the hospital administrator? Is that the relationship? He's like major, major. I'm not sure of his he's the, title, but he's major. Is he the guy who, who keeps talking to her and on the roof and everything like Hugging that? Her, yeah. She calls him the hospital owner at one point. So I think that's her daddy. Private hospital. Yeah, that's her dad. Okay. Now, okay. Okay. So this is the thing. International episode. Everybody try to keep up. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) She's the only woman at this hospital that we see in this first scene. The guy supervising her is a huge dick. He's giving her all kinds of shit for saying the wrong thing and like not talking according to the way he thinks people should talk. Although I do, there is one point at which I do agree with him, which is that she refers to someone as a male, which is one of my huge pet peeves because that's an adjective. Like I hate when people like look at that female over there i'm like female what that's an adjective that's a woman you know i this is a big trigger you really want to identify with doctors yep, i'm identifying pants. i'm identifying with him because that fucking drives me crazy i don't think i've ever done that but now i know why and thank you but she's she can be forgiven because she's just speaking fast and she's trying to talk about you know a person Stats. who's sick yeah and he's like excuse me i think you mean a man not a male and i'm like oh no this is not a good fit right from the start <laughs> yeah. not gonna be a good fit it's gonna be an upsetting spinoff i spent most of this episode trying to like pick up spinoff opportunities i know but we've got we've got this steam going with dr carter and dr sure. lockhart mm-hmm. and now we've got mm-hmm. the comic relief in the old british guy is he though he is he's right. punchable <laughs> well i learned that the er in england is called casualty which does not make me feel good yeah. i like emergency room because it's like a room where emergencies happen casualty <laughs> oh you're already God. dead it means they marked you from the start they're like yep. sorry we're british you're yeah. probably done for yeah <laughs> gonna have to take you down to the morgue which we call the boot <laughs> do they no, no, no it's no, the no, trunk no, of a car no, no. So all of this is crossing the first threshold. Now, back in Chicago, we have a hospital that is possibly ground zero for a brand new outbreak of something. And this place that's always humming with activity, people in and out, hundreds of people running around. It's about to become a ghost town. So that's really special. And then we have Dr. Elizabeth Corday, a stranger in a familiar land, back in London, trying to figure out what her life looks like. That's a special world, too. So we didn't have the call to adventure in this episode, but now we know this is a very special 
special world for season nine. Right. The hospital is being evacuated, and it's a scene straight out of a disaster movie. This is like Michael Crichton, Jurassic Park level disaster movie happening in this parking lot. We so got walkie talkies. We got helicopters. It's night. People are yelling. People are running around like Sirens. trying to figure out what's going on. There's a man who is on a gurney and says, where are you taking me? And the person pushing the gurney says, Mercy Hospital. And he goes, damn the HMOs. <laughs> Solid. We're outside with Dr. Weaver at this point. Dr. Weaver is Laura Innes' character. She's the one that you'll know that has a hip dysplasia. She carries a a cane. And she's like, every time she walks in in every season of ER, she is like, you know, belabored because of this character's hip dysplasia. But she's like going between the ambulances. And I think that anytime that there is a helicopter anywhere, it just sets this tone. So she's down on the ground floor oh, shit. in so, the like ambulance pit. I don't so live in a bad neighborhood. I live in a dramatic neighborhood. Okay. There we go. So uh, the shooting happens and, and the school is swarmed with, with helicopters. helicopters. So helicopters uh, are like, me and helicopters, we do not do well. Yeah. Here in my 29th year, I moved to LA where helicopters it's just like a fun thing we do at night sometimes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And if you're very special, they they just come right over your sure. house. Yeah, yeah, that has happened to me before. And the spotlights are in your windows. But do you guys, when a helicopter comes over, I mean, I, my, my like throat closes up. I mean, it's, it's, it's danger, danger for me. It's gotten a little bit easier in LA because it does happen so yeah. often. But helicopter means bad things are happening. And because when I was a kid... They're circling the playground immediately after the shooting. Mm -hmm. It's not... I don't quite understand that it's news choppers. I I equate that to police officers and... And because we were kind of down in the the thick of it, kind of running every which way, those are like, they're kind of after all of us. So when I... <laughs> a helicopter's around, it's very much like, probably for me. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's you, babe. I think I that's... I need a hug. I love you. I love you so much. No. And this is not an episode that's going to make you feel better oh, about man. helicopters. Whoops. Whoa. Just, no. Everything just clicked into place for so me. Uh-oh. Yes. So, so, uh, so they're down in the ambulance pit, and I hear the sound of helicopters. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm in it. Great title. Chaos. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's and it's yeah. bad. It's bad news. And Dr. Weaver's down on the ground, mm-hmm. sorting things out. Very Michael Crichton, as you said, yeah. calling you the shots. You go here, you go there. Yeah, I don't care if you don't want to go to whatever place. That's where you're going. Because they've called ahead to all the other hospitals in Chicago. And they're like, how many of these, how many critical cases can you take? Yeah. How many expectant mothers can you take? Yes. You know, like they're shuffling everybody out. And some people are like headed to Indiana, you know, because yes. if you think about how many people are in a hospital, especially a public hospital on any given night and they all have to go somewhere and some of them have to be kept on machines while they're being transported and some of them can't walk some of them you know so it's a huge it's a huge undertaking just to evacuate the other wrinkle of this is all these people have to be vaccinated before they can leave the building that's right people are being given a small pox-esque vaccine because they're still not quite sure what this disease is but it's it's 15 little pricks yes so he's giving everybody these and so this one guy is kind of grumbling about it he's like well i'm not getting this vaccine we don't even know what this is yet and you you're not even sure and dr lewis is like look you can't leave unless you get this so get back in line that's right yeah it's a real typical chicago guy he's like i don't have time for this i gotta get over <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go tell everybody their pizza's the worst. And she's like, wait in line or I'm going to bring over the army guy and he's yeah. going to handle you. Yeah. And yeah, that's yeah, yeah. 
every Chicago person knows. <laughs> Dr. We are Lewis. Afraid of wow. The army. What a woman. Yeah. Oh, man. And she goes through it in this episode, man. Hey, quick question. Yes. I'm going to probably keep calling it Drama Hospital, but what's the name of the actual hospital they work in? Chicago County, right? It's a, yes. it's a fictional name. Drama Hospital is so much better. Yeah, between close friends, it's Drama County Hospital. <laughs> but it's not, it's a fictional name because it, it should be Cook County Hospital. County General Hospital. County General County Hospital. County General Hospital. But it's I Drama mean, it's Hospital. County. Yeah. So we go back to sexy quarantine, uh, where Dr. <laughs> yep. Abby is centrally administering the smallpox vaccine mm-hmm. to Dr. Carter. They might have it, but they also might not. So better safe than sorry. Yeah. And Dr. Um, Lewis comes to tell them that the illness is some form of monkeypox, yeah. which think of a better name. It's a variant of monkeypox, which they'll make fun of the name later. Yeah. It's make so it's now. two weeks quarantine. So then we cut to another part of the hospital, and this is another quarantine that's not sexy. This is kind of like like jokey fun quarantine. I call it yes. sweaty quarantine because everybody's like not great. Everybody is, is sweating. Also, the beginning of a relationship. Yes, I mean yeah. that much is clear. Mackay Pfeiffer is always in the beginning of a relationship <laughs> in whatever room he is in. Yeah. It's the beginning of a relationship. So there's Amen. a man. There's a man named Stan who is quarantined, and he. Stan the can. Stan the can. So he was obviously like homeless gentleman brought yes. in for being drunk, and he's yes. he was in the uh, the drunk tank and somehow was exposed to this. And Dr. Mackay Pfeiffer is in there, and Dr. I, Pratt. Dr. Pratt, and then uh, the other the woman's name is Dr. Chen. Dr. Chen. Chen. When okay. in doubt, Dr. Chen. Dr. Chen. Like three Dr. Dr. Chens. Pratt and Stan. And Stan is just coughing up a lung. He's literally he's coughing up blood. He takes his hand away. His hands full of blood. And if I know my Edgar Allan Poe, this dude has tea. Uh-huh. Immediately, I was like, "He's got TB. We're gonna have to write a poem about him and bury him later." I put, <laughs> but, I put down here. Luckily, he's in a hospital and not the Oregon Trail, so he might yeah, be okay. Right. <laughs> and Stan is like, "I just have the deets." Like he thinks he's just detoxing, but the doctors are like, "We have to test this blood and see what it is." Because Doctor Pratt's like, "Oh, it's probably just pneumonia," but Doctor Chin says, "We have to know. You know, he could have this weird virus and also tuberculosis, and then we're all just might as well just slit our throats at that point, yeah. like because yeah. we're all going down." Yes. So they are not supposed to leave sweaty quarantine, but they're like, we have to go put this under a microscope. There's no one else. There's no one else here to analyze this. We have to bust out of here. I love that we have sweaty quarantine now and steamy and sexy. Sexy Sexy quarantine. Yeah. And I called the parking lot the parking lot of logistical nightmares. That's what I uh, called that. So we've got these two quarantines and this crazy parking lot are a major location yes chen wants to call in quarantine or call it in to get tested but then pratt thinks that'll just get him quarantined even yeah, longer he's like, we'll be right. double quarantined i'm so, not doing that so he's like let's just bust on out of here that's right the hospital's evacuated what could it possibly matter and hey if we do some sexy flirting along the way what's what's ever the harm no every doctor says that it's part of their hippocratic <laughs> oath yeah to do first that. do they're no like, harm second if you got time flirt they're like we we shouldn't date our co-workers everyone knows that but we don't ever see any other human beings besides right. our coworkers and dying people. So, and when an, a civilian, in my experience, like, because no doctors ever flirted with me, mm-hmm. so they're always flirting with each other on TV and maybe even in real life. That's in the more ER. of a Shonda. I feel like Shonda took us to the patient doctor flirtation land. Yeah. So I'm always about to get sued when I go see my GP because <laughs> I'm like, yeah. hey, you want to? Hey. <laughs> And he's like, Miss Bowden, we did not need you to disrobe for this. <laughs> That's right. And he just gets, <laughs> yes. And he just gets even more like sciencey. 
Ms. Jargon yeah. becomes just shutting it down. Yeah, I can't. Miss Miss Bowden, at no time will you have to touch me. So please, <laughs> please stop that. This is a one-way examination, Miss. And I'm sweating, hoping he'll sweat soon. Yeah, yeah. He does that? it. Oh, <laughs> so the, the, you think the best you can do is sweaty quarantine? Shonda did that to us, but ER predecessor mm-hmm. did start that. So this is now. Now this is about to become a huge thing of musical chairs to get critical patients into helicopters and out to other hospitals. That's right. And they have four critical patients they need to transport. There aren't four open slots at the hospital they're sending them to. Choppers have to pick who goes first because only one chopper can land at a time. And it's night, of course. There are two choppers, but one is just beaming down light. Right. So then again, helicopters come back for me. Yeah. I'm watching it. Helicopters are scary. Helicopters mean danger, danger. And they're all going in an elevator up to the helicopter pad where helicopters live. Yes. yes. <laughs> and meet. So there is this patient. Parties. Yes. This patient us. is screaming that he hates to fly. He does not want to get on the chopper. He doesn't want to go up to the helipad. He has a bad feeling I'm about right this. There with I have him. a bad feeling about yeah. this. Don't take me up there. And they're like, you can't walk. We don't have an ambulance for you. You must be. And he's got some sort of heart thing. He's got yeah. to be on machines. Right. So he has to go in a helicopter, but he's screaming. And Kovach is wheeling him out. And everyone is saying, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. And he can't really resist because he can't walk. There's another guy, Dr. uh, Red Rocket Romano. Dr. What are we doing, Red Rocket Romano? Because that's a very specific term. Yeah. That is his fan term. He is Dr. Romano. He is also Paul McCrane from Fame. I see (laughs) the body electric. Um, Now we've got Whitman here. So... (laughs) So Dr. Romano is the chief of staff, and he (laughs) is just yelling at nuns on the phone. He is screaming, I need to send four critical patients. You only want to take one. This is unacceptable. Love to hate him. Yeah, but it's like he's doing it in the service of his patients. That's right. You're like, go for it. Yeah, give those nuns hell. Yes. Um, And he's trying to strong arm whoever's on the other end of the line, and the lights are just going out around him, like chunk, chunk, chunk. Dr. Lewis is there. She's got an old guy, Mr. Hirsch, who seems fine. Yeah. He just keeps saying, like, oh, I hope someone called my son to tell him they're moving me. And she's like, you're going to be fine. It's okay. Cool. Dr. Romano is moving Hirsch. Dr. Lewis is also there. Oh, Dr. Lewis was with Dr. Kovac. Okay, but they're all there. They all get there at the same There's time. There's two patients and oh, three doctors. On the helipad. On the helipad. They all get there, and it's like, but I... I called this se- helicopter first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Dr. Romano, and I got a rock and roll flame <laughs> cap on, so you better listen to me. I'm, oh, I'll yes. tell you how many patients Are you, are you, are you? Everyone's freaking out. The young guy that doesn't want to get on the, on the thing is freaking out. And then Dr. Romano drops something. It's, it's a clipboard that's on one of the gurneys. Again, chaotic in environment the clipboard flies off the gurney and his arm gets severed well yeah. he goes to get the clipboard and then he gets back up and he gets hit by the back blade of the, the chopper <gasps> it takes off his arm it's at the awful. bicep yeah i no, couldn't no. watch it uh, yeah, 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 i made right, miles watch it it and tell is me what so graphically violent mm-hmm. for network so... television it is like the most they could show and it, it, it is like one of the images when you were like what do you want to talk about i was like this episode of television. Yeah, that's not going to leave. And it's just there. like, it, it's so, 
shocking to see someone so vital, top of his game, he's saving lives, he's he's ordering people around, he's making stuff happen, and two seconds later, he's just this quivering lump of semi-conscious meat. It's so yeah. humbling. It's that chaos theory. It's order to disorder. Yes. And immediately everybody kind of rallies around him because now they have the two guys on the gurneys and this guy to deal with. I just was like, wow, we all just need each other so much. That's right. You That's know? right. And you hope that, you know, if something bad ever happens to you, that people like snap to and, and gather right. around and grab a you know plastic bag to save your you know life, yeah. which is sure. what Dr. Kovach does. Yes, the doctors all immediately shift focus and start working on Dr. Romano. We're, yes. in, we're in act two now, which is a powerhouse of an act. Mm-hmm. I am breathless this entire time. <laughs> yes. they, this is also episode one, one. Yeah. Yeah. of a season. Yeah. 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 He's, he could die. Yeah. People were always dying on a yard. Because the show was on for 15 seasons, actors would just be like, I have to leave the show. Yeah. I have to do something else. And it was a feature of the show that the more beloved a character was, the more spectacular their death exit would yes. be. Because the actors would ask for that. Yes. And the writers would be like, all right, this we'll is the last the episode best. we get with you. Here we go. And this, I'm watching this thinking... Oh, he's going to die for sure. This is a very dramatic exit for this actor. You know, that's what we're watching here. Yes. Agree. So they start working on him immediately. He's not doing great. He throws up. They're trying to clamp down on the the major arteries in his arm. And then in the middle of this, they sort of pan over and there is his severed arm just Just a laying there. And they say he's lost half of his blood already. I mean, there's so much blood coming out of him. It's such a huge, it's like there's an artery He's not going to make it. He he says in the middle of this, she's like, I need to clamp these off. And he asks her not to do it because he's already thinking about it. I think this is what we're supposed to sort of alleviate it. We're supposed to already be thinking, oh shit, he's a doctor. He's a surgeon. He knows. They shift the angle of the focus, the camera, and it's from his perspective. It's Mm. blurry. The voices are kind of distant. You get the idea that he is alive but fading. Yes. Um, Alive but fading. And I think something else that they want us to kind of believe or that I've always believed is that he would rather die than lose his his arm. arm. Yeah. He makes that clear Which is so powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll find out later. This this job is his life in a very real way. Yes. He's never going to be a a grumpy one-armed shift leader at Hardee's. That's just not his thing, (laughs) man. It's just not going to happen for him. So let me go here. I said five hash browns. Let me go here on the helipad. Yeah. Yeah. So then this entire act is a shift between action, 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 and then boom, we're back in sweaty quarantine. Yes. Because yeah. this yeah. hospital, which is normally crazy buzzing with activity, there's just like five people in it. Yes. So there, we're looking through a microscope. Dr. Pratt and Dr. Chin are looking at Stan's blood, and it's just pneumonia. It's not PB. And Dr. Pratt's like, all right, cool. Now the inmates are running the asylum, basically. Takes off his mask and is like, let's go raid the hospital cafeteria. Like a real cowboy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, really <laughs> cowboys up here. And Dr. Chin is like, don't do that. Put your mask Order. back on. And You're making me uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. So this is a spinoff that I want to see called Pratt and Chen, Diagnosis, Secretly in Love. <laughs> it's always the beginning of a relationship. So back to the helipad. Like as soon as you take a breath, you come up for air in this little microscope scene. Back to the helipad. Yes. Of, helipad of imminent death. Yes. Boy. So the, um, the helicopter can't take off because Dr. Romano might have damaged the tail rotor. Right. He's like, I don't... The, the <laughs> pilot of the helicopter, who is not at all upset that, about this... Blame the victim. He's Just pretty upset about his before. helicopter, Yeah, though. he's like, I don't know if this thing is going to fly safely. I'm not taking off. You ruined my helicopter! Which means... And Dr. Romano is in shock. But this means now we have a helicopter on the pad, which means no other helicopters right. can land. Now we've got three critical patients up on the roof uh-huh. that need to be transported. And we got no, no more 
more helicopter capability. No, so nobody now is able get... to board this helicopter, and unlike them, we got to get these drama... guys back down into the hospital. Yes. Yeah. Now we got to get There's back only on the one way out. I was going to say, unlike any of these patients, I am fully on board. Oh, God. God. Edit. Sandy. No. <laughs> Don't. Don't you dare edit that. They're calling for more <laughs> ground transport, and Dr. Lewis and Dr. Kovach are like, Romano needs to be in an OR stat. Yes. He's not going to survive an ambulance journey. Yeah. RER is shut down, but we're we're going back in there. Yeah. So then, because we want to know so desperately what's going to happen to Dr. Romano and the rest of the patients on the roof, we cut to Dr. Carter and Abby. Sexy quarantine. <laughs> And uh, her back itches. Yeah, her back itches. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no, everybody. And I had to pause it. I was like, is, is her back really itchy? Can she reach the itch? And the answer is no, she no, can't. She can't. She's got to have doctor. She does have an itch that she alone cannot scratch. I feel like sexy quarantine needs to have like its own like, song. <laughs> sexy quarantine. Oh, Miles, get on that. Sexy quarantine. He nods. They so talk about how stupid. She's got a tattoo. He's like, let me check it because the first it thing, could be this monkeypox. Yeah, the first symptom is a rash. Yeah. So he looks and he's like, no, you no know, rash. It's so quick. Ploy. Hey, <laughs> so can you quickly. look to see if I've got a rash? It's not. Yeah. Can you can pox. you see if I have monkeypox? It's it's a it's a line as old as time. She <laughs> does not have a rash. He's like, Thank oh, God. it's fine. No, you don't have a rash, but I. Uh, I didn't uh, know you had a tattoo, mm. but and then they start making out. He says a line in the middle of all of this that's actually very important. She's like, do you think someone did this on purpose? Like, do you think this was a bio attack, basically? Yes. And he says, it doesn't matter. He says, viruses mutate. It's what they do. We're more likely to control bioterrorism than mother nature. Order to disorder, chaos yeah. theory. <gasps> it's sure. this whole, it's this interesting line about like, when you're in the thick of a tragedy, it almost doesn't matter. And we get on the other side of it, you can look back and analyze and try to figure it out. But like when you're in the middle of it going through it, you just got to get through it. That's it so yeah. right. It doesn't matter why it's happening. When chaos breaks out, you're not like, well, I mean, that's exactly why this? I watch ER. Mm hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm. Because they're uh, always know, getting through it. Yes. That is it's so. It's got to be like. I'm this learning. <laughs> does have to be a show that's just incredibly comforting after any sort of trauma where. You are confronted with the fact that life doesn't go according to plan, that mm -hmm. emergencies happen, that lives are, are incredibly fragile and fragile. precious. Yes. And there's an entire team of people who their entire life is devoted yeah. to restoring that yeah. order. Yeah. And yeah. The, the moral is you just got to get through it. Yeah. And then on the other side, you can look back and figure out why. treat but... man-made disasters and all disasters the same by yeah, trying right. to fix it. Yeah. So wow. back to the helipad of yes. imminent death. Wow. Um, only two gurneys will fit on the elevator. So Nico takes the young guy that was screaming. The uh, Dr. Lewis takes Romano and they leave Mr. Hirsch up on. No, no, no. No. Doctor, someone else takes Romano. Everybody, somebody else takes Romano. Doctor Lewis is left with Mister Mr. Hirsch, Hirsch yeah. who has uh, who has. He's got some sort of heart. He problems. had a son. <laughs> He's got some kind of heart problems, and Ugh. he keeps saying, "Oh, I just hope they remember to call my son." son. And then he flatlines. Oh, kidney kidney failure. He oh, was, was kidney he failure. He was doing what do you what do you do? Dialysis. Yes, dialysis. he was doing dialysis, but he can't do dialysis, and now it's it's yeah. It's can building I up. also just bring up one thing that is Doctor Lewis and her bag choreography? She always remembers to keep the doors open. Yes. with yes. bags it's and so many bags. So yes, she she does it with a bag at first on the elevator, and then she pulls the emergency latch so that she doesn't ever get stuck. I mean, I just think it's yeah, it's good. She's always thinking. Brilliant. Also, her she's wearing a light blue shirt that is like 
<laughs> the barometer for how bad things are getting because there's ring. a little yeah. bit of blood and sweat on it. Oh yeah, and then there's more blood and sweat, and then there's more blood and sweat as the thing goes on until the end of it is she's just she's like covered, covered yes. in blood and sweat. Yeah. Yes, up to the so, neck. Yeah, but I just I think that the bag choreography and then all never getting stuck in a place it was is so powerful to me every time I watch it because I'm like even in these dire straits, even mm. when things are so chaotic, there is somebody out there who like won't let. The pay, because you go into like yeah. hyper yeah but that's her her training awareness in, you yes. know it's like she's trying to revive him she she doesn't have the paddles yes she's trying to revive him he won't wake up he's flatlining his monitors are all like coding and so she knows she has to go downstairs back into the hospital she grabs the emergency kit yes. and because if she just runs down the stairs she'll get locked out she won't be able to get back up to the him. patient so, so she she throws the door open. She runs down six flights of stairs or something. Yes. And grabs the paddles and grabs a bag of saline. And and the way that this thing is shot is to point out that this has happened. But in a normal episode of television, like her putting the bag in front of the door would be like, uh-oh. uh-oh that, that means that door is definitely going to close. But it's not. Yeah. You no, know, yeah. it's it's a, an example of like chaos is being staved off. Exactly. Because of her She's competence. clear thinking. Yeah. So Romano is wheeled into this hospital's dark ER because they're like he's not going to make it anywhere else. The doctors who brought him down and they start to work on him Dr. Mackay Pfeiffer and his new girlfriend <laughs> see what is happening because they're walking down the hall they've just been in the cafeteria they, he, he's eating some yogurt they're kind of like flirting and then they see what's happening and they rush in to help. Yes. Mm. So it's like disorder to order. Yes. It's another moment of them being like oh shit. Jump to. You need us we're here. So then we're back on the helipad of death and Dr. Lewis is screaming somebody I need help no one is there. She's back up trying to restart his heart with the paddles. And then the elevator door opens finally. And she's like, okay, I can get him on the elevator. Yes. No one is there to help her. She's doing this all by herself, right. running back and forth. There's barely anyone in the hospital. And it's now it's like her and this guy locked in this Hippocratic thing. oath, too. Mm-hmm. She will not yep. leave him. She's not going to leave him, even though he's like very old. He was on dialysis, kidney failure already. So you've got your chief of staff bleeding out yep. in the OR could you be helping? Right. She's like, no, this is my patient. Right. This guy. It's me and this guy. And I have to be here with him until he breathes his last. I have to do everything, everything I can for him. I find so much comfort in that. Yep, as do I. Back downstairs, Romano has lost half of his blood. The blood bank is locked and closed. And Dr. Pratt's like, not happening today. And Mm-mm. breaks the window, like finds the key, gets the blood they need. Yeah. Again. Back to the parking lot of logistical nightmares. <laughs> Or the scariest place I've ever seen. I mean, it's like the scariest. It's also night. Like night makes it so much more frantic. Yes. It's just somehow so much, the stakes are so much higher because they're doing it all in the dark. And I'm watching it and not one of those ambulances has moved. Like they don't have the space on the lot where they're shooting over at Warner Brothers to like move those ambulances from scene to scene. They're parked here. But still, it's terrifying. Yes. So Dr. Weaver is talking to this woman from the CDC who's like, you can't reopen your ER. And she's saying, he's our chief of staff and they're already in there. So like, try to fucking stop us. Um, And she's just taking charge. And I love that both of these characters are women. I just love that it's like Dr. Weaven and a woman from the CDC. Because it's this like cop, good cop, bad cop sort of a thing. But it's um, it's these two women scientists. Yes. And then in one of the like little throwaway side things on this episode that I loved, the guy who's been screaming he doesn't want to get on a helicopter. He's got some sort of pulmonary trouble. There's been a woman in the parking lot this whole episode 
episode who's like, have you seen my fiance? I can't get in touch with him. Has he been evacuated? Where was my fiance? And everyone's doing so many things. They're just sort of like, just wait here. He might come out. I don't know how to, I can't deal with you. And so they wheel this guy out and she runs and she's like, oh my God, here you are. And you're like, finally, you're okay. Finally, the woman and her fiance. And he's like, get her away from me. She is a psycho stalker. She is not my fiance. She ran me off the road. Yes. And then they put him in an ambulance and she's screaming, I was mad, but I'm not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Something. It's so good. It's perfect. It's so good. (laughs) I was mad, but I'm not anymore. (laughs) I mean, this one time my boyfriend touched my trash and I yelled at him for like 30 minutes. He wanted to take it out and I didn't want him to touch my stuff. Your trash? I was because <laughs> there's a difference I between was stuff mad, and trash. But I'm not Boy. So then I ran him off the road. Yeah, and then when he was going into the ambulance, from when I ran him off the road, I was like, "Hey, hey wait, can I ride with him? <laughs> I He's brought the fiance. trash with me. It's my job to be here for you now. <laughs> I wasn't on the clock earlier. Yeah. Now, now is my being a carried girlfriend shift. <laughs> Dr. Lewis is doing CPR on Mr. Hirsch. Yes. Now we're in the elevator. Elevator. She's doing CPR. She needs help. He's crashing. No one's answering. The elevator opens on a floor. She locks it in place so it can't go anywhere else. She runs out. She gets a crash cart. She's going to save this dude all by herself. Like, she is bound to determine. She comes back with the crash cart, and she's about to lose hope when she realizes she can use the elevator phone to call somebody. That's right. And also something that I always found really interesting is how dark, because the Mm -hmm. hospital is essentially closed. Yep. All the lights have gone out it's in the hospital. So when she opens up the elevator, you're like, every other time you open up the elevator, it's just this yeah. bustling floor yes. and it's these yes. big, bright Nothing. fluorescent lights. And yeah. it's just so If you creepy. scream, somebody help me in a hospital, there should be a million people there. And nobody's And there's there. nobody there. No one can hear her. Ugh. So the young doctor who was giving the vaccines earlier has gotten Dr. Lewis's call and he runs up six flights of stairs too late. Yeah. Mr. Hershey's Mr. Gone. Hershey's dead. And that is the end of the most action-packed act oh of television God. I mean, ever. now we're sweating. Yeah. yeah. That's what this. it'll do. We're now in our own very sweaty quarantine. <laughs> and blood. <laughs> okay, so... Where did the blood come from? Oh, no. <laughs> because of the... Because this is very, very well written. After all of that drums, we get this like kind of quiet scene. Yes. It's morning. The hospital is flooded with light again because it's daytime. Yes. Mm-hmm. And all the quarantine doctors are just like hanging out. Yeah. Uh, they're playing soccer, giving each other new hairdos. Yep. Yeah. And we do like a, a title that says seven days later. So yeah, it's like yeah. immediately everything's deflated and it's like, okay, well. Right. They're still stuck in there in quarantine. Yes. Yeah. But there are I five people find stuck it in the hospital. So funny that they have had like sexy quarantine. They've had sweaty quarantine, and yeah. now stay seven. Like Everybody's like getting a hairdo. Quarantine. <laughs> yes. Bumper room Makeover quarantine. quarantine. <laughs> Dr. Lockhart says she feels like they're the last people on the planet, oh. um, because this is also pre-internet. So like they've got a couple books, but really they're just sort of like hanging out. Yeah, Dr. Chin's reading a bereft, like a, a book about the plague. Yeah. yeah. Stan is also still there and he's detoxed now and he's uh, gotten over his pneumonia uh, visibly. Yes. Romano is alive. We cut to another hospital. Romano is alive and they have his arm and they could try to reattach it. The doctor there is skeptical that he'll keep all his fingers. So Weaver visits and he's like, what do you want to do? Because Dr. Romano's under. And she says, you got to wait until he comes out of it. I can't make this decision for him. Yeah. But Because Weaver also knows, their relationship is such that Weaver knows that if his hand doesn't work, 
you might as well just like take him off any, yeah, yeah. any life-saving device. Yeah, but off. she says that. She says, he's aggressive. He'll want to save the arm at all costs, but I can't make that decision for him. Yeah. So we're not out of the woods yet because even though he seems to be stable and they have the arm, making someone seem to have survived something and then yanking them back into the jaws of death is also a hallmark of AR. Yes. There are many episodes where it's like, ooh, we've all breathed a sigh of relief and then the last minute, death. Yes. So I'm still thinking Romano's going to die. This whole time, I'm like, he's going to die. Why wouldn't he? So now it's day nine, and Carter and Abby are actively sleeping together, and they're talking about condoms, and they're flirting in the showers. They're spinoff love pox. It's like, we're the last people (laughs) on Earth, and also, and we're fucking bored in this hospital, so let's just do this. And then we're back in London with Dr. Corday, and I could not care less about this at this point. I have one line written for this scene. Dr. Corday is Britishing it up with British guy around British Britain. (laughs) Yeah. Her dad's like, oh. Just don't care. Occasionally. Chicago. Yeah, and she's occasionally like, yeah. they'll give us a shot of London just to look at sure. something. Right. So she's like, oh, I it's miss Chicago. It's the international episode you've mentioned. <laughs> right. And then she meets up with her mother for lunch. And I'm just like, go back to Chicago. I don't care about yeah. any of this. Now we're approaching the inmost cave, J12 in quarantine. Dr. Pratt has somehow smuggled in pizza and, and uh, sodas. Through yeah. a window. This yeah. pizza looks like bullshit, by the way. Also, yes, Chicago pizza. You can't pizza. slide Chicago pizza into it's any It's not Chicago-style pizza. It it's some not. Domino's not bullshit. Yeah. So you they, hear that? <laughs> they're People? like, They're like, we survived, yay, unless someone develops a rash in the next two days, we're all home free or whatever. Yes. And then Stan... The homeless the drunk. drunk guy just starts to tell them all about medieval plagues. And it turns out that he studied and taught Renaissance philosophy. Yes. Mm. And they're like, what? You were a teacher? What happened? Yes. And he said, things things happened. Things always happen. Chaos theory, order to disorder. It's so true. Oh, like yeah. you can, we've got a guy who has totally like regressed mm-hmm. after killing his daughter. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. In he the says, car. They're like, we get you into treatment. He drunk, He's like, I killed my daughter with a DIY. There's no treatment for yeah, that. I can't yeah. do anything about that. So it, it becomes to me like, you know, there, there are people like Dr. Elizabeth Corday. The boring reason why she's in London is because Dr. Green has died. Right. She's trying to pick up the pieces and move on the best way she knows how around family back in London. Right. This Stan the Can has decided to not... To stay stuck in that moment. Yeah. Really. And to not pull himself up by the bootstraps, I think it's just like a really important... Or that he can't, just feels like there's no coming back from this. There is like warmth and caring around him. There are people with like a plan to help him out. And he's like, no, I'm I'm never leaving this this guilt, this this agony. I deserve this, basically. And I think for me, it throws me into that whole idea, like what would you do and, and what have I done? And, you know, my whole life I've just been like... Keep your head down, work hard, and mm-hmm. make all your dreams come true because, you know, life is so fragile. Yeah. But some people do not handle especially, traumatic events that way. Especially if it's coupled with guilt. Yes. And he feels like this is all his fault, and and his daughter's not around anymore. Why should he get to be happy? Sure. Right. Yeah, he doesn't um, deserve that. He walks away. He's like, thanks for the pizza. Dr. Chen goes off. Dr. Mackay Pfeiffer goes off. And then Dr. Carter looks at Abby and... You mentioned, now this makes sense to me, she's backslid in her addiction. And he says, I want to help you so our relationship can work. And she's like, you want to fix me so I'm good enough? Yeah, I'm not broken. Not a smooth move by Dr. Carter in that moment. Dr. Carter was addicted to fentanyl. 
in earlier oh, seasons. Oh, that was before fentanyl was trendy. Ab- yes, Abby is far enough in her recovery that she becomes his sponsor. That's the beginning of their relationship. Oh. And then I can't remember the event, but she has a beer at one point and he catches her. And so this is now his sponsor who's having sure. a drink after not drinking, you know, years yeah. of sobriety. And so she, that's, that's the whole conversation. That's where that comes from. Does she ultimately get another relapse? tattoo? Yes, I believe after this she does relapse. Um, oh, uh, serious question. Do we ever find out what that t- tattoo is? It's something religious. Religious, she says. I know, but what exactly? Probably like know. a Guys, cross. Guys, I heard or... all of the clues. I was religious in college. That's, it's an onk. That, I think that's a onk. quote. Like I was going through a religious <laughs> phase. Straight up an onk. I was going through a religious phase. Or one of those Dave Matthews and I band feel like... <laughs> logos. Oh my God. We could speculate all day about this. Uh, <laughs> then let's. But, but now we have reached the climax, the supreme ordeal, which is funny because it's like, this is where decisions get made that propel us into the next episode. Yes. But honestly, the climax felt like it happened, happened up on the helipad of yeah. death in terms of like stakes. Oh. But this is a soap opera. So, you know, it's like we're, we're doing well, four waves. Four minute 15. Yes. Yeah, we're doing waves of, waves of climaxes here. We are back at St. Snooty's Hospital for Grammatically Perfect Doctors mm-hmm. in London. Or a show called, Oh, Do Fix This Patient, Would You? <laughs> yes. And the doctor that was giving Corday such a hard time is back to criticize her some more. They verbally spar. The big takeaway from this scene that we find out is that there's been an offer on her house in Chicago more than the asking price. The music tells us she's conflicted about this, doesn't yeah. know whether she wants to take the offer and sell her house in Chicago. Blessedly, we're soon back at the hospital that Romano is in. He isn't eating his arm has been reattached, so clearly he came out of the narcotics and said, do whatever you can do to save my arm. But yeah. he's not pleased with how it's been reattached. He's like being shitty to nurses. He says, you might as well have someone come and fit me for a hook. He's like not having this at all. Yeah. And then Weaver comes in to check on him, and he's a complete bitch about yeah. how lucky he is to be alive. Yes. He does do one thing that I really appreciate. Hmm. When they're arguing, he's like... He tries to keep changing the subject from like his injury and what's happened to him to like, hey, we should close down the hospital more often. It's super cheap when nobody's here. And then she presses it and he says, I'm going to sleep. And like aggressively goes yeah. to sleep. I wish that <laughs> fucking worked. Goes to sleep. I wish that worked. <laughs> I wish I was in an argument. Get I was out of a like, confrontation. Yeah, uh, I'm going to sleep. Mm. Mm. Power, Power down. down. Yeah. <laughs> Weaver butt off. Yeah. So she's like, your people rallied around you and saved your life. Yeah. Like, she oh, wanted her to be like, did you watch this episode? Yeah. This is amazing. What was done for you? you should have died on that helipad. And he's just like. But that's Dr. Romano. And that's sleep. why we like love to hate him. And I, I really, I think it's fantastic acting from that actor. From yeah. Paul. Oh, he's doing great. Yeah. I mean, I, I, being that hateable. Yes. Yes. So she's doing open heart surgery of some kind. Some other doctor comes in, is so paternalistic about it that she leaves the operating Isn't room in a huff. Daddy. And it's she, her dad. It's her dad. And she throws her bloody gloves behind her, which cannot be protocol. That's not sanitary. No. She rips off her bloody gloves and just like throws them on the ground and yeah. marches out. And I was like, this is not. As an actor, I also just have to say like, it's not protocol and I don't want your bloody props hitting my <laughs> your fake bloody yeah, weird right. thing about things that need to be thrown away causing you a lot of stress <laughs> no, these are my bloody gloves don't touch them all right so this is the supreme ordeal somehow with this is the thing this is like the tipping point for dr corday and this is a thing about dr romano he's we know he's gonna make it you know so now we return to the ordinary world we are back we are in act three of the hero's journey we return with the elixir and commence upon a new and better life it is day 14 end of quarantine and everything's going back to normal 
County General is going to be open at 6 a.m. Everything's been sanitized. Everyone's back to work. We see Dr. Pratt has been cleared by disease control. He's headed home. Carter is clear. He's headed out. Abby is clear and asking for two straight weeks of overtime and and not kidding, which is a fucking baller move. It is. And then Deb is being checked. She's the last one, Dr. Chen. So disease control says this scare has been contained. Everyone did their jobs. The little boy, because there were two kids that came in with it first. One girl died, but the little boy is going to be okay. Yeah, brother, sister. And then Carter says, was this natural or an engineered outbreak? And she's like, everyone did their jobs. Mm. He says, okay, so we're never going to know. So it's that sort of like, it doesn't, again, it doesn't matter. No. 5.59 a.m., Weaver says, okay, we're open. It's quiet for about... 10 seconds and she yeah. looks super worried like did everyone forget we're a hospital yes. have we have people forgotten to die right yes. and then and then the phone rings and frank answers er and she smiles back to normal disorder to order back to the you know the ordinary world that question of why though at the end like you know was it this or was it this and trying to get at why mm-hmm. is like really special to me about this episode because yeah. like you can ask those questions all day long yeah. and they're never going to be answered yeah. and in fact it's just about like this and now and yeah. how you bad are... things happen yeah. so now abby and carter are walking down the beach by the adlo planetarium yeah they're i tried t- to try to immediately try to clock this and it's easy to do because what's in the fucking <laughs> background the planetarium the, the planet. oprah building people the oh. oprah building where the penthouse where oprah lives yes and she looks down on all of I us i recognize the planetarium but she because... never lived there that's just rumor no no i'm sorry I yeah i know i'm sorry did, did you did you know that for a fact yeah it's, a, it's so fake she was nonsense it's fake in the top nonsense. of that building with stedman no. but i always felt like she was watching us she was from a distance <laughs> wow yeah, she's looking after us I mean, it doesn't matter <laughs> that building whatever building Oprah sees all there uh, Dr. Abby and Carter are talking about the butterfly effect and chaos theory and you know this virus mutates in the Congo which leads to an ER being evacuated in Chicago the, you know the these strands of time all weaving together and Abby says to him what am I the butterfly and he says no you're chaos in general and then she strips off all her clothes and goes swimming in Lake Michigan and then I assume directly back to the ER with some yeah. kind of parasitic infection two weeks in quarantine <laughs> don't swim in Lake Michigan yeah not ever yeah no she's like you know what would be romantic is if I take us right back to sexy quarantine come on in I heard Dr. Corday's going there <laughs> mm. God. I mean, wow. Yeah. yeah. What an episode. It is it a amazing. roller fucking coaster. I just love it. And then I assume Romano's going to live and yeah. sure. go back to being, you know, back to his job. Oh, that's another thing we didn't mention. They Weaver's like, has anyone else come to visit him? And the, the guy that's working on him at the other hospital is like, no. And she says, well, he doesn't have any family. So like... Truly, this job is his whole life. Yeah. Yes. And and the thing about Dr. Romano in the next season is killed by a helicopter. What? Stop it. How? You'll have to double check me. It's either in the next season or the season after that. But Dr. Romano has a triggering moment when he's letting a patient. Oh, he's, he's in the elevator looking at the helipad. The helicopter comes down. He has a trigger moment where he's like, I'm I'm not doing this. Take this out here. So he tells you know his his colleague, doctor, to get the patient loaded up. He, cli- he shuts the elevator doors. He goes all the way back down to the ground floor and out to the ambulance bay to get some air. Mm. And that helicopter 
crashes that's down right. on him. I have seen this. It's, crashes? Uh, from yes. episode... On him. Freefall. It's actually the next season. season A lot of 10, people call it the most eight. ridiculous episode of ER there is because it's very much like... A Jaws sort of thing. Yes. Like it's come, the he helicopter's coming. Yeah. Yeah. He should have been as far away from that helicopter as possible. I think, I think that a lot. I'm like, I think like how many times in my life can I get shot at? Mm. And, and, you know, is, is it just one for me or is it multiple times? And he has a trigger moment and then he leaves that situation and it's still, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. The helicopter kills yeah, him. Yeah. He's like, does what he's supposed to do. Maybe you could flip it on your head and think about, what, what Kimmy Schmidt says in the pilot of The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, the worst thing that's ever going to happen in my life already happened to me when I was a kid. Yeah. Sure. I'd love to be able to think that way. I'm not sure I can. Yeah, I'm not telling you what to do with your <laughs> life. I'm just, I'm quoting another TV from a different yeah. show that We're talking about that docudrama helpful. Kimmy Schmidt yeah, and how I, she you know, I just, I think, yes, I think that, I don't know. Is it clear that I'm a shooting survivor? And we're going to link to this amazing, beautiful <laughs> article that Mary Hollis wrote for the New York Times yeah. about the experience. And of course, you uh, are welcome to research her and learn more about her. And But yours. I love ER. It was so healing for me as a kid. Well, I'm so it's glad. Fantastic. And this show is amazingly, I mean, it's and an just action talking, movie. And just talking through it with two people who've like studied it or this episode is like been really helpful. I'm, I'm so glad. That's Again, maybe the most useful I did not, <laughs> episode we've gone over. Well, yet. I didn't. I also didn't pick like the learning episode of like Growing Pains or something. But sure. this we've was, done Growing Pains. We haven't done ER before. <sighs> ER so special to me. So let's start with what we learned. I learned a lot about chaos theory. I also learned that you got to watch out for that back rotor. Everybody what? is like ducking and everybody sure knows the okay. Indiana Jones method yeah. of you got to watch out for the other thing. Yeah, but, you look out for the big rotor. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, back rotor. That's where they get you. That's where they get you. I also learned that at any moment, ER can just just have a spinoff happen. <laughs> and I'm surprised. Were there ever spin there? Were there spinoffs? To I don't know. I didn't, no, I didn't read. No, no not were. one. It yeah. didn't need a spinoff. It went for 15 years. Yeah, yeah. it just kept it was its own spinning. spinoff. <laughs> well, I learned that Dr. Abby Lockhart has a tattoo. Yeah, um, it's good. But not I also learned. I think. I think really sit comfortably in knowing that if something bad happens to you, there is a team of people mm-hmm. who will be there to hopefully help save your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't always have time for everyone, but if something bad is going down. A stranger neighbor will mostly be inclined to help you. Absolutely. I think that's There's, true. I think the people's best nature comes through in these moments yes. of crisis. There's a quote that I remember from Mr. Rogers, oh. who's amazing. He said, you will always find people who are helping. To this day, especially in times of disaster, I remember my mother's words. I'm always comforted by realizing that there are still so many helpers, so many caring people in this world. Oh. Just mm-hmm. have to look for the helpers. That's right. Yeah. Uh, who do we want to hug? Dr. Mm. Lewis. Mm, man, yeah, that was a rough I one. Also, I also say Dr. Lewis because, man, she did fucking everything, everything. she could do. Everything. For and a very, just, very old guy. Yeah. In yeah. the middle of a bunch of chaos, nobody's there to help her. Yeah, you know, she did everything, but the, the question's always going to be there. If the hospital wasn't closed down, couldn't we have saved him? Yeah, yes. You know, if somebody had responded, anything. Yes. And and she never crashes. She's sitting on the floor in that one moment where she's like, I lost him. Yeah. yeah. When um, Dr. Kovach comes up and finds her, you know, she's sitting on the floor, but it's it's moment. It's always for the moment with mm-hmm. Dr. Lewis. She is such a resilient 
character through the whole series. Mm-hmm. She is somebody who bounces back. I always want to give her a hug for that, too, for her yeah. strength. Yeah, I want to hug her. I also want to hug Weaver, although I feel like he would shove me away. Shove me to the floor. Weaver, um, Not Weaver, Carter? I'm sorry. Romano? Romano. But this is the best time to try to hug him because <laughs> he's true. only, he's got, only got, got that one, good one arm to <laughs> shove <laughs> you away with. It's true. It's, it's like true. you're going to get in on get it. Get him. Just make I like just, a helicopter sound as you're coming in. And I just, like just hate. It's a trope, but it's also a real life thing of like, no one came to visit this person in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always want to be like, I'll be your friend. You know, yeah. it's, it's this weird reaction I have to to just be like, no one came. I'll go. I'll go. Yeah. Sure. He's going to get back into it with an, a robot arm and then he's going to oh. be killed by a helicopter. Yeah. Gosh, man. Well, Yikes. what good are robot arms then if they can't save us? Yeah, truly. Go, go, gadget arm. Just I'm pick that. I'm getting to turn around on this whole up. robot thing. <laughs> Terminator had some, I had some doubts Sorry. after that, but now, what's the point? Luke Skywalker. His robot hand worked great. It did. Yeah. It looks great. It worked it, great. They gave but that it. was so long ago. I mean, that was in a galaxy far, far That's away. True. So true. I remember that fucking x-wing fell on top of him in the most recent one i just oh, thank rough. you guys so much for going over this episode thank with me. you oh my Mary gosh Alice. Thank you for... so i'm really glad you brought this to our attention yeah, yeah that's so much to say about it yeah, yeah seriously a lot of feelings a lot of emotions yeah <sighs> goodness Drama i feel hospital. kind of exhausted yeah i'll take a hug now yeah <laughs> i wanted to hug mary hollis that have been pandering as shit <laughs> All right, thank you for joining us on Hugging and Learning next time. Next time, we'll be watching Who's the Boss? Season 1, Episode 11, Samantha's Growing Up. So we will see you then. Bring snacks. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box, where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks!